Lord, tonight I would like to come to you, Lord, and speak to you about the Holy Spirit. Father, I'm going to make this a short request because it's so important. And I want to make it very plain, Lord, and ask, dear Lord, that you might cause the people to understand what is the Holy Spirit. Because, Lord, people think they have the Holy Spirit. They believe they have the Spirit. Preachers preach they have the Spirit. But if they would tell the truth, if they would actually meditate on it and see, they don't know what the Spirit is. Lord, they cannot go back to Genesis 1 and explain what the Spirit was doing hovering over the darkness. Lord, they don't understand that, the face of the darkness. They understand the Spirit hovering over it and what it meant when you said, let there be light. Lord, they don't want to understand what it says, dear God, when you said, not by my power, but my spirit, I'll overcome the world in Zechariah. Lord, we pray that they would understand this, dear Lord. And I would like to point out just a couple of scriptures, Lord, and I pray that somehow you will cause these scriptures to be seen by people, that they might understand that they need to get the spirit of truth. You tell them in John fourteen fifteen to 17 that they cannot receive the spirit of truth unless they're set apart from the world. <clears throat> and Lord, they cannot discern if that's the Holy Spirit or not the Holy Spirit. They don't know what the Spirit is. Lord, there are, there are theologians who actually have admitted in their commentaries that they don't understand. It's a, it, to them, it's an incomprehensible mystery what is the Spirit. Lord, they don't understand the Holy Spirit. They don't understand the words. Father, <clears throat> if they would listen to the teachings that you spoke, if they would listen to the words of God that he told, that he said he was sending you into the world to make known, and you spoke these, and you testified that you came into the world to bear witness to the truth, and you said, dear Lord, in John seventeen seventeen, that the truth is the word of God. And Lord, you told them that your words are spirit and truth. You said that their spirit and their life and the truth. Lord, you said that if we do not hear the words of God, we don't love you. <clears throat> so if we say we have the spirit and we don't understand and discern the words of God, then we do not love you. You tell the people in John eight forty three to 47 that they cannot understand their, your speech because they do not discern your words. And you came into the world, speak the words of God. But there's a very important verse that the shepherds of this day must truly understand because it's going to cause many of them to lose eternity. <clears throat> and Lord, we don't want to see them lose eternity, but it's coming. Lord, that verse is in Matthew twelve thirty-one to 32, where it says, Therefore, I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be given men, will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven then. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. Lord, you tell us that some people are just ignorant in the Bible. I, I, you say that they're, they're simple, and simple and that wording that's used can mean naivety or ignorance. And Lord... It's very important that the people understand that even the Rothschilds say that they don't report to you. That's ignorance. That's naivety. 
God made the world. You made the world. You control their life. You control every particle that comes to them. And there's a cutoff time when people don't understand that you're making a famine of your words. You tell us that by your words, all the creation was made. But people don't want to understand that. And you say in John 3.34, it's recorded by John, that the words of God have the full measure of his spirit in them. Which means these words are spirit. You said they're spirit. And dear Lord, they don't understand this is the spirit. And if they reject the words of God, like there are some shepherds when they heard of these words of God, they said that, that message straight from the pits of hell. Now that's ignorance because they do not understand the scriptures. And I'm not sure you hold that against them. But when they go out and try to block that message from being told or released to their people, that is coming very close to what you would call the speaking against the words of God. They're blaspheming against the words of God because they're saying it's from hell. It's not from God. What they haven't done is they haven't searched it out with the scriptures. They haven't come and asked the questions they needed to ask, but they just assume that they're so filled with the Spirit that they know what the Spirit is. And yet scholars will admit they, it's incomprehensible to them. And the reason that's true is, as, it, as Paul tells them in Second Corinthians 12, 1 to 4, the words of God are not able to be uttered by those of the world. Secondly, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit of God, cannot enter those who are not set apart from the world. And you tell them in John seventeen seventeen that they have to be set apart from the world by truth, which is the word of God. And you tell them a very interesting line, explanation. In Isaiah 55, 8 13, you say, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. For as rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, then you explain this. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. And you tell us in Zechariah 10, 1, the three, that we are to ask for not only the former rain, but the latter rain. What is that rain? It's the words of God that are filled with the full measure of the Holy Spirit. And the latter rain, you're pouring it out in the full measure of the seven spirits. You were ready at the time you came to see the people, the Pharisee scribes, the people of Israel, but the Pharisee scribes and all of them who thought they knew everything like the preachers of today, the shepherds and the rabbis of today, same. They rejected your message. They asked, where did you get these words? But they didn't ask what the words were. And they don't ask is what you were saying is the rain that comes down from heaven in their Isaiah book of Isaiah 55. Tell them it, it is like the thoughts of God that are framed in words. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing which I sent it. And you tell us in John 3.34 that your words, the words of God, that you were sent in the world to speak, as it says in John, Baptist testifies in John 3.26 to 36. and verse 34, you tell them that your words are filled with the full measure of the Spirit of God. 
That is the Holy Spirit. If they want to get the Holy Spirit, they must receive your words, what they will not hear at this time, because the shepherds are blocking it. They're nothing. Some people call them apostolic ministries today. They're not apostles at all. They're not close to apostles. And I can prove that by all they have to do is go look at what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 to 16. In there, he speaks of the words of God that are different than the words of man. They have power. It tells us in Ecclesiastes 8, 4, that the words of a king, and you're a king, and you're set apart from those of the world, and your words are nothing like theirs because they're framed with your thoughts. See, they don't understand this, Lord, that your words have power because your words are filled with the full measure of the Spirit that hovers over the face of the darkness, other words, all particles, and it can cause all the particles to go where you want them to go in their appointed time and season by the word that you speak. Everything is handled, consists, exists, Colossians 1.17, by your words. These words are set apart from earthly words. Earthly words have no comparison to the power of these. And thoughts are framed in words. Your words are higher than their words. Your language is higher than their language. People will not understand this. And they claim they have the spirit. And you told them, if you will not hear my words, you do not love me. And those who do not love him does not receive his spirit because the Father says in John eight forty seven you say that the Father says, if you will not receive the words, you're not of God, which means you don't have his spirit. The spirit of God is in these words. You give them authority to receive the spirit of God. It tells us in Proverbs one twenty three that when we hear the words that wisdom speaks and we, we, we turn, then you will pour out the spirit upon us and cause us to know the words. Because the spirit of truth cannot enter us, John fourteen fifteen to 17, by your, your uh, teaching and your instruction, which is the counsel of God, because you're coming and to speak in the image of God and authority and the power and the rights of God. And you said that the spirit of truth cannot enter them who are not set apart from the world. They do not have the spirit in this day. They do not understand the words, will not receive the words. They think the whole Bible is the words. The whole Bible is an explanation of which the words are in there. The Bible is like this gigantic wheel, but inside that wheel, there's a really powerful wheel very close to the source of the power of the wheel. And that's the words of God that are over all those other things. Everything explains the works of these words, the promises of God that they unlock. See, you wanted to write these on our on our hearts. You did not want to write them in a constitution and, and parchment or anything else. It was your desire that these words would be written upon our heart. Just like you wrote the, the Ten Commandments and instructions. You would write this on our heart. The Spirit, Hebrews 4.12 tells us, it, it can go in and it can cleanse and, and read the intents of the heart. But it can also, like a sword, two-edged sword, it can cut away the darkness and leave only the light. Lord, it tells us in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 2, Dear Lord, it, you, the disciples are saying, or Paul's saying, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. What is that mystery? These shepherds, even the theologians of today, will tell you it's an incomprehensible mystery to them. But Paul's saying it's the mystery. He's telling it. 
In 2 Corinthians 12, 1 to 4, he tells you he went up to heaven. He heard the words that are unlawful man of the world just utter. See, after the Tower of Babel, he took away the right of anybody in the world to hear the words that aren't set apart to him. They have to set apart and they have to knock and ask for the words. But if you ask with a stony heart, in other words, you say, oh, I don't believe it, but let, let, me, let me look at this some more. You can't put the Holy Spirit, the new wine, with the full measure of the seven spirits into an old wine. It doesn't have the spirit. It's only milk knowledge. Isaiah 28, 9 to 13 tells you you cannot get the knowledge of God with those weaned on milk. That's the form of rain. Milk and honey. They never got to the honey. They never got to the gloriousness of the kingdom of God on earth because they wouldn't receive the words. If we had the honey, we'd be getting to the point where the likeness of the Garden of Eden comes. But we haven't got there yet because we will not hear. We're still stuck on milk. We haven't even drank the pure milk. Okay, it goes on here. He says, he tells us here, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom, which God, hidden wisdom. Get this? Words of wisdom. God said, get the words of wisdom you do not know. Bob Jones was given that prophecy, and they still didn't hear. God has given prophecy through prophets all over. Prophecies, same prophecies, words of wisdom, get the knowledge of truth, get these things, and they will not do it because they will not hear, because they cannot discern your word. They cannot discern their word because they are not able, for they do not have the spirit of truth in them. If they go to the disciples in John 21, 20 and 21, also in Luke 24, you tell them that you breathe upon them after you paid the price of the blood of the cross, You'd already told them about the words. You came back, you gave them the spirit of truth, and then you were able to open to them the words, and then they were able to understand the scriptures, Luke 24, 44 to 45. Three and a half years they walked with you and never discerned the words. They were no different to the people you're preaching to. They were more zealous, but even in the last week, they were looking for just like the preachers of today. They want the big mansion. They want to sit on the throne next to you. I heard preachers say, oh, he's going to stay in my house when he comes to my state. Because my house is so big. It's probably the biggest one in that state. That's, I mean, that is arrogance. That is total, that's just like the rabbis in Jesus' day. They're not listening, and these are the same preachers that are saying this message is from the straight pits of hell. They're no different than the, the Sanhedrin in the days of Jesus when he, it was their time to receive the word. It was their time to receive the kingdom, and it was taken away from them, Matthew 21. 43 to 44, they don't want to believe this, but go read that and go read Acts 28, 28, and that tells the story. Lord, I know you know all this. I'm repeating this for the sake of the people. And Lord, Paul goes on there and he says, which, you know, he says, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. How are we going to give glory to God if we don't get the words of God that have the mystery, the words are the keys that unlock the promises of God that were enabled from the beginning of the foundation of the earth? See, there's a famine of the word coming. He's allowed the people to have miracles and things like this to cause them that they might stumble and fall back and see the difference of good and evil. So they get the words, they go along and they do well for a while and then all of a sudden they don't have the knowledge. And they start becoming arrogant. They start uh, not being able to do things. They continue to try to promote their ministries. But the works leave. Because they are not founded in the foundation of the words of wisdom. That unlock these promises of God, the good works. 
that will not fail because when you get the words of wisdom of God, they are the seal of eternal life. John 5, 24, Ephesians 1, 13 to 14. Jesus is telling us we'll have eternal life. Nothing can come against it. In John 8, he gave a fantastic teachings in the last weeks uh, when he was, um, and that was in the Feast of Tabernacles, I'm sorry, uh, before the, 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 the Feast of Tabernacles, before the Passover, the, the six months before. And there he was teaching them that they do not understand his speech because they cannot discern his words. And they're of their father, the devil. See, it's the devil keeping you from being blind. People are walking about as being blind. If you want to hear this directly from the Lord, at the time of the judgment of Israel, when he came to them, because he came to, at the lost of Israel, he was sent by the Father to open the words to them, the light of the world. But they rejected the kingdom, and therefore it was sent to the Gentiles, 828, and we would receive it at this end time. And we received the words in uh, 2003, and since that time they've been spoken, preached, written, spoken uh, continuously. A few heard. But the rest of them do not want to hear. And they're just like the people of Israel at that time. They rejected it. The kingdom was taken away from them. God warns us in the church, the seventh church. Now, please understand that the seventh church, the Laodicean church, all this is done in the way of the seven spirits of God. The seventh church is a summary of the first six churches. Even though they had all the warnings and all the experiences and they come to the seventh church, which is today's church, it has a little bit of all these other pieces because we wouldn't turn and therefore he calls it a complacent, lukewarm church. They grew in some knowledge, but it's the way the seventh spirit and it should have the fear of God because the seventh spirit is the judgment of God. It's on the Sabbath day. That's why he warns us. The separation judgment will be on a Sabbath. Not necessarily it's Sabbath day, it's the Sabbath because the punishment will be meted out in that seventh spirit. That's when the morning rises, just like the Pharaoh. It will be like that. And before that time, he's going to trouble them greatly and take away the kingdom. See, the Pharaoh had lost his kingdom when the Israelites left. The power, the authority, everything was taken away, and his army came after him. And so when we got to the middle of the night, and the closer he got to daylight, the more panicked they became because the wheels fell off their chariot, that is just like the famine of the word that's coming. See, the wheel is symbolic of the words of God, this, the fullness of the scriptures. And the wheels fell off those chariots, their power, and it caused great confusions. The horses, they couldn't get out because God caused confusion to fall on them and they could not win. And we see the same thing in the sixth seal of judgment because the Lord is saying that the kings and all the slaves and everybody else in the world, even the Christians who are not set apart, by the words of God, they're all going to be confused and they're going to know that the judgment's coming upon them and they're going to be destroyed. These people were in fear in that sea and they were trying to get out, but they couldn't get out. They will not be able to avoid the plagues of God because their Revelation 18, 1 to 4 says that the plagues are going to come on all the people and all those of the churches that walked with the leaders of the world who are walking fornication with the harlot. So all of them will go into that destruction. So we can see what that is doing. Now, let me go on back and talk a little bit more about this thing with Paul in 1 Corinthians 2. Because he said, and let me read 7 and 8 again. It says, I read 7, I, mean, I haven't read 8. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, that he, the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the ages of his, for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. 
Now, I'll tell you, these shepherds, even though they've done so many abominable things, like say this message is straight from the pits of hell, they still have an opportunity, as all people do. People don't want to believe this, but our job is a harvest. The judgment is at hand, and they're going to judge themselves because when they come out against the people, they judge themselves. But it's our job to guide them to the truth. If we will not lead them to the truth, we are just like them. Because we're not walking in the way of the wisdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're traveling upon the spirit of grace. We don't have grace when we want war. We don't have grace when we want destruction. Grace is Jesus paid the price of blood for all people, that all people might come to the knowledge of truth. It's our job to plead that case until the very last minute. Okay, it says, crucified, if they had not known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. The Lord enables them to receive the words that give them the enablement the right to call upon his name, which is the word of God. You see, in Revelation 19, 11 to 13, everybody knows all these names of God. But the one that's really important is Revelation 19, 11 to 13, because it's a name we do not know. Why do we not know it? Because it's the word. What is hidden? The mystery is the word. We will not ask the Lord to make known his words, as he says in Proverbs one twenty three. I will pour out my spirit upon you, and I will cause you to know my words just like he did for the disciples. So the people calling themselves disciples, the people calling themselves apostles, they don't even understand the spirit. And therefore, they should not call themselves that. Jesus warns them in Matthew 23, don't call yourself rabbis. And then he goes on and gives eight woes. If you go to Matthew 23, this is when he was in the, in Jerusalem. This is the time of, you know, he's going to be destroyed. And I believe it was on the fourth day. He's telling them, these, the Pharisees and scribes, these eight woes, what their failures were. And if you pay attention, every one of those woes, as it starts off with the first one, he gives a description of their failures, the, why all these things. And then he starts giving you the eight woes. And each one of those woes is done in order of the seven spirits of God, and the eighth one is the spirit of regeneration. See, we have the seven spirits, which is the workings of God, and then the eighth is the regeneration. Not everybody gets the regeneration because they haven't passed the judgment of the seventh spirit. As it tells you in the, the seventh church, it's going to be cast out from him, vomited out. It will not receive the regeneration into life. John 5.24 says that if you will hear the voice of the Lord and believe in the promises of God, you will pass through these judgments and have eternal life. That's the promise of regeneration. That's the seal of the word of truth. It gives you eternal life and it separates from you the desire to do the evil. It causes you to want to turn and change. Now, Paul, in verse 13 in 1 Corinthians 2, goes on. He says this, These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but words which the Holy Spirit teaches because the Holy Spirit is inside them, John 3, 34. And and I'll go back and read this again. It says, These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but words which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Jesus said, My thoughts, not your thoughts. My ways, not your ways. And listen to this then. It says, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. If you do not have the Spirit of truth in you, you cannot understand his words. That's why you can't get this. 
The shepherds aren't asking for the spirit of truth to enter them. And if they ask, they're not asking with an open heart in, in truth, believing that God has words that overcome the world, that God made the creation by the words, and they don't want to know those words. They don't, know what, they don't want to understand the words that can enable the consisting of man. But in this time, when the plagues come, when the destruction of the earth is being done, when there's no other way to get food, they'll need to call on these words, but the famine of the word is coming, and they will not have the right. As Jesus said in Luke 14, 15 to 24, the first three invitations were to shepherds and leaders and to them who should have received the words, they will not receive the words. As he says, they will not taste of my food, which is the words of God, the bread of instruction that enables them to understand how to, what the wisdom is and how to enable the words, the understanding. And then they won't get the counsel of God because they don't have wisdom and understanding. Then you can get the counsel of God of how, you know, now that you've got this knowledge and understanding how to do the way the words, when do I use them? That's the counsel of God. That's the fourth spirit. So then he goes on and he says here, it's really important. They, they, they can't get it because they're, they, the words are spiritually discerned. The Lord tells you in Proverbs one twenty three, you have to pour out his spirit upon you and he will cause you to know his words. But you can't get that until you turn to him and do not turn to him with a stony heart. You know, that's like putting seed of the word on stony ground. It just, it's not going to take root because you have all these other doctrines you don't want to let go of. And Jesus says, you know, in Matthew 24, when his troubles are coming, he says, flee your house. Don't take anything with you because he's going to give you a new word that provides all things. He goes on here and he says this. He says, but he who is spiritual judges all things because the words make all things, sustain all things, consist all things. Yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For the words judge. John twelve forty eight. In this day, we're going to be judged by the words. And if you don't have them, God's going to hold you in account. Deuteronomy 18, 19. But he who is spiritually is who he was spiritual, and these people think they're spiritual. They have no right to judge anybody. They can't judge anybody. They're judging these days. They're judging against the words. They're saying it's from pits of hell. They don't have any right to do that because what they're really doing is blaspheming the Holy Spirit. They're very close to that. You know, if, if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit and cause people not to receive the words of truth, you're blocking the Holy Spirit. And you're saying that the Holy Spirit is not in these words. And God's going directly against the scriptures that you should know in John three thirty four, and Deuteronomy eighteen eighteen nineteen. Okay, it goes on, and he says, "But he who is spiritual judges all things; yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ." Hello, Jesus said, "My thoughts are not your thoughts." And what have we got here? We got the mind of Christ. See, Christ. Is, he speaks the word, does the words, and all the things are done in the words. John fifteen seven it says, if we abide in his way and abide in the words, we shall have what we desire. Our desire will only be good. Our desire will only be peace. If we really have the words in our heart, we will be sons of God. That's whom the word comes. John ten thirty two to 37. We need to believe this. John eight thirty one thirty two. 32, Jesus said this. He, he said to the Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Do these disciples today abide in his words? The word of God that he was sent in the world to speak? 
and make known, bear witness to, that he opened to the disciples? No, they don't. So they're not disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. We are not headed towards freedom. We are headed to slavery. We are already in slavery, and the people won't discern it. They, they won't listen to what I've explained to them about the world system or the government or any of these things. They believe they know it all. Even people working to, to make known the law system believe they know what to do. And they don't. They're just headed into more slavery. Because they don't understand, they cannot overcome the one world order's world system that they're bringing in. And because they're fighting them and negotiating and trying to do these things, they're not setting themselves apart by God. They're looking to take advantage of paperwork to free themselves from something. And they deny the power of God, the words of God that overcome all these things. That he's going to do away with all these constitutions. He's going to write the words in our heart. He's going to circumcise our heart. That's what that means. And he's going to circumcise our flesh. He's going to restore our flesh. All those things are coming. And you've got to be able to speak the words to enable the earth to open up to swallow tsunamis, to swallow many things. So we need to come to this knowledge of truth. We need to understand we do not have the spirit until we start to receive the words and then obey the spirit, not just know the words. We have to obey the way of the new covenant. Everybody wants to go back and do the old covenant. The Lord says many things. But he's saying, you know, you've heard this, but do this, because now the new covenant has come. If you want to be a partaker of the new covenant, we have to learn the way of the new covenant and work in the way of the new covenant and overcome the world that way. Lord, I thank you for allowing me to bring this forward to you. And Lord, asking you to make this message known to people, Lord. Lord, allow them, dear God, if they will ask you, Lord, for the knowledge of the words, if they believe that you made all things by your words, if they believe, dear Lord, that they have to have the words that you spoke to love you, if they have, if they understand, dear Lord, what you said in John eight forty seven, dear Lord, that if they don't receive the words, they're not of God. They don't have God in them. The words is the spirit of God. And until they've turned it on, you know, even though the words are there because they're in all the languages of the world, they're not set apart. As you told them, they have to be set apart by truth, set apart by the words. You told them in Psalm 119, 160, that all your words are truth and that the truth is law in Psalms 119, 142. And you told them in Psalms 119, 130, that the entrance of your words gives light and gives understanding to the simple, to the naive, to the ignorant. Dear Lord, to us. But we're all this way. We, the, the people of Israel don't even want to believe, Lord, that, that you came to them, made known the words, they rejected it, and you took away the kingdom from them. And it's going to come back to them through the Gentiles and through your sprinkling upon them because they're going to hear the word because you told them you would shame them by bringing it back from somebody else. But then you would restore them and they would be brilliant. But you're only going to restore a remnant because the people of Israel are hardened in their heart. Lord, they will not hear. And Lord, they're like the shepherds of the churches. And Lord, you warn the shepherds in the lukewarm church, the, the church that should have learned all these things because the seventh church is the culmination of all the church ages. And by now, they should have known the way of the words and been doing them and been doing them in the fear of God. But they're not afraid of your words. They're not afraid of you, Lord. They're not afraid to reject your words or call them abominable. And dear Lord, they do not understand that you said, dear Lord, that those who come against you those who come against your people that have the words, you said that these will receive the plagues in Zechariah fourteen twelve. 
Lord, I pray that they will listen, they will turn and come to knowledge of truth. Lord, we ask again, please allow your spirit to be sent forth to make this message known to people. Lord, it's your message. It's the message the disciples spoke of you. And Lord, the prophet spoke of you. And Lord, we pray they'll receive it. We're not giving them anything that's not scriptural here, Lord. We ask them to understand that with their heart. And Lord, believe your scriptures above men. Believe you above men. We praise your name, Lord, for all you have planned. We can't even imagine all that you have in glory. Dear Lord, they're going to see, dear Lord, overnight fruit pop up to be able to feed the people. Bread multiplied in massive ways, dear Lord. And if those will set themselves apart by your truth, as you promised, dear Lord, in Joel 2 and many other places. Lord, we thank you. Praise your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen.